Well, thank you, worship team and Brian. Boy, man, you guys got it going on. And I am so thankful that you have allowed me to come here to Twin Cities Church. You have no idea how at home I feel. And you might be wondering, is this the kind of guy who just comes in and claims refrigerator rights at the very first minute? Uh, That may or may not be, but I'll tell you, I feel at home here because I have some dear friends here. Uh, Dan and Claudia, part of this church, uh, the pastors uh, have become good friends. Pastor Ron uh, uh, helped me several years ago. We got an opportunity to connect with the church because I was in Nevada for 13 years. We gave leadership to a church, so we birthed it, and God did some amazing things. And we always used to say there was somebody on the other side of the mountain who had it going on, was doing it better, and that was Twin Cities Church. So thank you for who you are. And uh, Pastor John's been very gracious this morning to walk and talk with me. So let me just encourage you to take your teaching notes out. We're going to get there in just a moment. But before we do, let me tell you a little bit about Jessup University, about a 60-second commercial. Three things we want to accomplish there. And I know you know about that because of Fritz and Catherine and others. But uh, I want to tell you, first of all, we want to thrive spiritually. We think that when students go to college, their faith should be built up not torn down. So we want to thrive spiritually. That's our first objective is to help our students to thrive spiritually. Second of all, we think when you go to college, you ought to get a quality liberal arts education. We think by the time you graduate from college, you ought to be able to think, read, speak, and write well. And we believe if you have those skill sets, you'll be uh, very uh, successful in life, be able to influence the world. So thriving spiritually, quality liberal arts education. But here's the third thing. We want all of our graduates to be exceptionally employable. So dad, mom, grandma, grandpa, listen this up. Doesn't it, doesn't it seem right that a season of learning should be followed by a lifetime of earning and your kids should eventually get off the dole? Is anybody in favor of that? Uh, eventually kids and grandpa, yeah, okay. So that's what we're aiming for. Uh, 80 plus percent of gra- uh, Jessup graduates last year were employed on the day they graduated or were going to graduate school. And so we're excited about that. We're trying to improve that percentage every year. So God is good. Um, I have some uh, books and materials out in the lobby. Would love to see you there, talk to you about the school. I'll be out there after the service. Now, the first time that I go to speak in any church, I like to tell a little of my story. So if you'll just uh, bear with me for a few moments, I want you to know who it is that's talking to you. I was born and raised in church. Dad and mom pastored small to medium-sized churches in Southern California. They had made a commitment to God, and so I was born on a Wednesday, in church on Sunday, and between the ages of 0 and 16, I was never allowed to miss church. I'm absolutely serious here. I've been to church with mumps, measles, cold, flu, fever, and chicken pox. That's absolutely the truth. No exaggeration. I was never allowed to miss church. In fact, people would walk by me as a kid growing up in church. You know how church people are. They'd pat me on the head and say, oh, you're going to be a pastor just like your dad when you grow up. And I would say, not if I can help it. There is no way that I wanted to be a pastor because I'd seen the underbelly of a church. How many of you know that church is full of messed up people? In fact, I've been walking around here and talking to several of you. This church is full of messed up people. Absolutely true. And I spent enough time with John this morning to know that you are pastored by messed up pastors. It's absolutely amazing. But the shocking thing to me is that you're listening to a messed up speaker. So that's just awesome. Isn't it cool, though? that we love and serve a God who specializes in taking messes and turning them into miracles. That's just cool. So anyway, I grew up in that church. People patting me on the head. I wanted to be a pro baseball player. I wanted nothing to do with being a pastor. I wanted to be a pro baseball player. Used to pray to God every day. God, help me play pro ball, and I'll be a good witness and all that. Finally got to age 15, and I had a life crisis. Kind of strange talking about a life crisis at 15, but I had it. And I remember saying, I'm good, but I'm not great. 
and I knew that only great ball players made it into the pros. So I had this crisis. God, what am I going to do with my life? And I prayed to God, God, if you will show me what my life trajectory is, I will do that. I will do anything you ask me, God. I will obey you. I will walk with you. I'll do anything you ask me to do, God, except for two things. Now, you probably don't pray and talk to God like that, but I did. I just said, God, I'll do anything, but two things I will never do. The first one was I was never going to be a missionary. Because growing up in church, I knew about missionaries. Missionaries wear grass skirts, they live in grass huts, and they show boring slideshows when they come back to America. So I said, forget it. I'm not doing that. The second thing I told God is that I will never, ever, ever be a pastor because I had seen all that. So this crisis goes on for six months. I literally remember praying to God, God, if you would let a piece of paper float down from heaven and land on the windshield of my car now that I'm 16, I will do whatever you want me to do except for those two things. I was in a church service one night. My dad was preaching. I don't remember a word he said. That wasn't uncommon. But I was in the church that night and I was listening to my dad. I don't remember what he said and I felt like God talked to me. Now to be honest, I didn't hear a Charlton Heston voice. But I did feel like God talked to me and here's what he said. John, I want you to serve me full time with your life as a pastor. And I was totally depressed. I was absolutely bummed out. I knew what that meant. So we got to the end of that church service. It was a Baptist church. Some of you have grown up in this kind of service where basically at the end of the service you have an invitation hymn. Well, ours was just as I am. We were about the 15th verse in. And I'm dead serious about this because in these kind of churches, you sing until somebody walks forward. And so I, that night I was the guy. So I'm walking forward at the end of the service and going, okay. And I get to the front and I tell my dad, dad, God called me tonight to be a pastor. And he does the happy dance in church. I mean, he's like, oh, this is awesome. He tells the whole church and I am thoroughly depressed. I don't know if you've ever seen a teenager with attitude, but I was that teenager because I knew my life was over. Based on talking to my dad and his friends, I knew what would happen in my life. I'd go to Bible college, and then I'd go to cemetery. And <laughs> if you've been, you, you know what that, what that means. Okay, so Bible college. And, and then I know, knew from my dad's stories that I would go to South Dakota and preach to 25 people and some sheep. <laughs> people describe the ministry there. If you're a pastor in that kind of setting, what you do is that you marry and bury. Or, or one other way to say it is that you hatch you match, and you dispatch. You're there at the birth, the wedding, the funeral. That's kind of how you do it. So that was 35 years ago. I'm 51, and God has had an amazing journey. It's been awesome, and we are just delighted uh, at what God has done. And I'm so thankful for you as a church. I really do feel at home here. Uh, I love the sense of community, the sense of connection, the way that God is real. And I believe that you are not here on accident today. In these next few moments, I hope that I share something that comes from God's Word I think the Spirit of God already touched you in worship. He's prepared your heart. Maybe he's already spoken to you. And in the next few moments, you are not here by accident. The Spirit of the living God wants to touch you. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? Father God, right now I come before you and ask that your Spirit would move in this place. I ask that your Spirit would touch these men and women here, these new friends, and that you would speak to them at their point of need. Maybe somebody needs an insight. Maybe somebody needs some encouragement. Maybe somebody needs a direction. Maybe somebody just flat out needs hope. Either way, God, would you speak to us at our point of need? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. What would it be like to stand somewhere in your life and know that God was happy with you? See, I've become convinced that a lot of us spend a good portion of our lives saying, I wonder if God's happy with me. Now, some of us are on the front end of that. We're going like, I don't even know if there's a God. 
But let's say maybe you stipulate that you believe there's some sort of supreme being a God. If there is God, is he happy with me? And I've talked to lots of folks over the course of my life, and I've been there, where I've wondered if God is happy with me. What would it be like to stand in a place where you knew that God was happy with you? Brother Lawrence, a saint from the 1700s, said this, At any moment and in any circumstance, the soul that seeks God may find him and practice the presence of God. John Ortberg, a more recent teacher of Scripture, says this, If I'm to have a relationship with God that is in any sense personal, I must be open to the possibility that sometimes God does speak directly to me. One of the most audacious words in the Bible, one of the most audacious phrases contained in the pages of Scripture is a little two-word proclamation, and it is, God said. The proclamation in Scripture that God said, that, that God has spoken, and that he has in some way spoken to us, but he also has spoken to me and to you. And it gets very personal at some juncture where God actually intersects our world and you can be in that place. You can stand in that place where the good stuff happens. You can stand in that place where you know that he is happy with you. We're in this great series. And in this series, today we're going to look at Psalm. And we're going to look at the very first chapter in the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms because it teaches us how to get along with God. In fact, Billy Graham used to read five chapters of Psalm every day, five Psalms a day and one Proverbs. When asked why he did that, he said, I read five Psalms a day to learn how to get along with God and I read one proverb to learn how to get along with people. So Psalm chapter one helps us to know where to be in our spiritual life. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm chapter one or we'll put it up on the screen. Psalm chapter one, we'll read the first three verses. Blessed, and I gotta stop there. The word blessed just means happy. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, I have to be honest. I'm going to give you a little insight. This is not so much bragging at all. I'm not uh, sort of trying to honor myself and put myself up. I want you to hear honestly what happened to me as I was preparing. Uh, I was reading this passage, knowing that I was going to speak to you about it. And as I began to read it, to be honest, my initial reaction to this passage was not that I was hearing the voice of God. I went back and I was reading this, blessed is the one or happy is the one. I was in my mind, and again, I'm not trying to sort of lift myself up in my mind as I read that what I heard was the voice of Yoda and uh, it's not something I'm proud of but I heard Yoda saying something like happy are you and I thought you know um, and and then I had to stop and go okay this is not a Yoda thing and and I and I had to go back now maybe this doesn't happen to you and read the Bible I went back and I said what is God really wanting me to see here and what I discovered it's pretty plain to see is that there are postures there are positions where you can know that God is happy with you. And so let me walk quickly through those. It starts out with a, a few sort of negatives. Uh, in your teaching notes, you can write these in. Uh, you are happy, you are blessed when you're not walking in step with the wicked. To me, that was all about decisions that we make. 
Uh, most of us know that our decisions determine our destiny. Uh, the decisions we make determine the direction of our lives. So you are happy or blessed when you don't walk in step with the wicked. Uh, the second one is not stand in the way of sinners. Uh, to me, that's the commitments or convictions that you have. You're, you're blessed or happy when you don't walk in step with the wicked. Those are your decisions. Or stand in the way of sinners. That's the commitments or convictions that you have. Now let me call a quick little time out. I thought about this all week long. Uh, I'm not your pastor, so I'm not going to talk specifically about how we as a church should respond to the decisions that were made this week. But if you've been sort of breathing and listening to the news reports, you know that some historic decisions were made this week by the Supreme Court. And again, I'm not your pastor, so I'm not going to sort of like direct you specifically, but let me do sort of not with a 10-foot pole, but a 25-foot pole, give you some encouragement here. What do we do when we live in a culture where the Supreme Court makes decisions that are contrary to our understanding of God's Word? Let me just say a couple encouraging words to you. Did you know that God is on His throne? That Jesus Christ is Lord, that the Word of God is true, that we are people full of hope, and it's no less true today than it was last week, and it will be no less true going forward. God is on His throne, Jesus is Lord, God's Word is true, and we are people of hope. So what should we do in a world that's going contrary to the way that God's Word teaches? Well, the first thing we should do is not have any aspect of our faith shaken because the reality is, is that Jesus is Lord, God is on the throne, His Word is true. That has not changed whatsoever. So what we do is be His representatives in the world around us. By the way, our culture, I'm convinced, is becoming more and more like biblical culture. Did you know that the scriptures were not born in a season where everybody was in alignment with the message of the good news of Christ? In fact, the early Roman Empire had things that would be horrifying even to our culture. So I want to encourage you. Don't despair because of what happened this week. You need to pray. You need to seek God. Your pastor will give you direction for how the church should respond. But I'm telling you, God is on his throne. Jesus is Lord. The word of God is true. And we are people of hope. You can reach out to the world around you in love and kindness and offer the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, now let me get you back, all right? So, we don't walk in step with the wicked. Those are our decisions. We don't stand in the way of sinners. Those are our commitments or our convictions. And we don't sit in the company of mockers. Those are our roots. Where do you get your accountability? What is the soil of your soul? Now, to be honest, I'm a pastor, I'm a, a university president, I've been in ministry for 30 plus years, and I have to admit, there have been seasons in my life where the soil of my soul was not completely pleasing to God. Now, I'm not talking about gross moral sin, but I am going to say to you that there have been seasons where I can look back and say, you know, I'm not really necessarily totally locked in to walking with God. I'm drifting a little bit. How many of you know that you can be in the light and yet head towards the shadows. And some of us have seasons of our life where we're saying, how much in the shadows can I be and still experience the light? So he's saying right here, don't sit, don't be rooted in the company of mockers. The more input you're getting into your life that is destructive and corrosive to your soul, that can affect you. So those are the three things. Don't walk in the step with the wicked, don't stand in the way of sinners, and don't sit in the company of mockers. Now let's go on the positive side. What does he tell us to do? Delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it 
day and night. Delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. That person will be like a tree planted by water, fruit in season, uh, and whatever they do will prosper. I got to tell you a personal story. I don't normally put these in uh, as regularly as I'm going to do this morning, but it happened this week, so I have to tell you. Um, We have five children, okay? Five children, uh, 29, 25, and 22. Those are all girls. They're all through college, and they're all married. So if I look tired and broke, I am, okay? So three girls, 29, 25, 22, all through college, all married, I'm broke and tired. Okay, but then we also have two other children. So 29, 25, 22, all girls. Then we have a 16 and a 14-year-old boy. And a lot of times people look at us and go, oh, um, you guys are a blended family, right? And we go, "Um, no, just (laughs) non-strategic. So... 29, 25, 22, all girls, married through college, and we have 16 and 14-year-old boys. Now, I've been a pastor all their life, but my 16-year-old just went to camp this week, and his mother and I prayed diligently. We were praying that he would have an encounter with God. Because although he's been raised in church, although he's had scripture around him, although he's had the opportunity to be connected to people of faith, our experience was suggesting that for him, He did not have a relationship with Christ. It was all sort of external. It was sort of what we were imparting onto him. It was not internalized yet. Any parents know what I'm saying? It's just, in other words, he was going through the motion. So we prayed for an encounter with God. We prayed every single day this week. So we get a message that our son has made this huge commitment, that he gets rebaptized. He ends up having this huge step. And so we pick him up on Saturday. And I didn't get much sleep last night. And I couldn't be happier. Because the reason I didn't get much sleep last night is that he was talking about what God had done in his life, how he'd met Jesus in a very real and personal way, has a relationship with Christ. And you know the thing that he kept saying over and over and over again? He said, I feel like I've got to read. I've got to get God's word in my life. I've got to get scripture. Now, we've been saying that to him for 16 years, trying to pound it in him, youth group and this and that. Of course, he never heard it before. You know how that works, okay? So, but now he's made this commitment. He said, I've got to get God's word in my life. But you know the second thing he said? He said, I've got to get God's word in my life. I've got to get disciple to get my, but I've got to share. I've got to share. So last night, the time we did get to talk to him was interrupted by him calling friends and him calling uh, youth workers that he had worked with. He, he made a list of people he needs to apologize to. Now, I was a pastor's kid. I get needing to apologize to people, okay? Pastor's kids are usually in who's who or in most wanted. I mean, it's just a really <laughs> rough thing. So let me share with you a passage from Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Kind of a formula there. Speak the word of God, meditate on the word of God, and do the word of God, and then you will be prosperous and successful. You want to stand where you know that God is happy with you? You want to stand in the blessed place? then don't walk in step with the wicked. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't sit in the company of mockers, but delight in God's law. Let God's word get into your life and to seep into the soil of your soul. Now, the rest of the psalm tells us just a tiny little bit about what happens to people who go the other direction in life. In Psalm 1, verses 4 through 6, it says, Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. 
The fact is, is that God's going to give encouragement. He's going to give a, a future. He wants to be pleased with you. And if you walk in his way, you will be a, like a tree planted by the rivers of living waters. We just heard in song and as we read in the psalm. But what happens to the wicked? The wicked are destroyed. Now, I told you I was raised in a home of a Baptist minister, right? Dad and mom pastored small to medium-sized Baptist churches. My dad had been in ministry for about 40 years. When I had a luncheon conversation with him, I said, Dad, over 40 years of ministry, serving in the church and being, doing different things, do you have any regrets? And I had a tablet of paper because I expected a page. You know, because you think about 40 years of serving and leading, obviously you've got things you wish you did different. I said, do you have any regrets, Dad? And he said, I have two. Oh, wow. 40 years, really only, I'm going to really listen to these two. Here's what he said to me. I was in my early 20s. He said, uh, the first regret I have, he said, I wish I would have prayed more for God to heal people. And he said, because I believe God heals and God wants to touch people's lives. He said, I wish I would have prayed for people to be healed and then it's up to God as to what happens. I wish I would have prayed more for God to heal. So I wrote that down. And ever since then in ministries that I've had, I've prayed for people that God would heal them. I'm not the healer, but he is. And I believe God can heal our hearts, can heal our minds, our bodies. And so I've prayed for God to heal. But the second thing he said really, really struck with me. He said, I wish I had taught people that there is a personal devil. And I wish I had focused more on the reality that they have an enemy of their soul. So this is what I want you to hear today. Did you know that if you want to stand in that place where the good stuff happens, if you want to stand in that place where you can know that you know that God is happy with you, that you have an enemy of your soul who will do anything and everything he can to take you out of that place, and move you into the place where your life has not lived in alignment with God, but in opposition to him. God longs to meet you at your place. God longs to have you stand in that place where the good stuff happens. Jesus said this in John 10.10. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life abundant and free. Margaret Feinberg is a friend of mine, and she wrote a great book called Wonderstruck. It's a book about encountering God and having the opportunity to know that God is there in your everyday life. We get really messed up in our world, don't we? We think that this is spiritual. This is holy. I mean, this is definitely holy because it's cool today, so it's a great place to be. But we know that when we leave here, we're going to do secular stuff, right? We're going to go to our homes. We're going to do maybe a barbecue if you drew the short straw. We're going to be in a pool. We're, we're going to do something like that. And, and then we're going to go to work. And that, that's all the secular stuff. And then we'll go to Bible study or we'll do our devotions. That's the sacred stuff, right? Did you know that that's a deception? Everything we do in life can be done for the glory of God. And there is no part of life that is secular. All of life is sacred. All of life is the domain of God where he wants us to stand in that place where the good stuff happens. Margaret said this in the book she wrote. God's not merely at your fingertips, but within your grasp. Live each day like a child digging through an antique treasure chest, rifling for the next discovery. Open your arms and your eyes to the God who stands in plain sight and works miracles in your midst. Look for him in your work days, in your weekends, in your meeting-filled Mondays, and your lazy Saturdays. Search for him in the snowy sunsets and the Sabbaths, the seasons of Lent 
and sitting at your table. Pray for, I love this, and expect wonder. For when you search for God, you will discover him. Can you imagine standing in a place where you know that God is happy with you? I can. The psalmist describes it this way. And so I want to close today by just asking three questions. Three questions about where you're standing, where you're sitting, and where you're walking. Number one, are you walking where you're making decisions based on his word? Are you standing where your commitments are in alignment with him? And are you sitting where your roots, the roots of your soul, are in the soil of his grace? Would you close your eyes for just a moment? One of the things that I love to do when I come to churches is to pray a prayer of blessing. And I don't know anything about your circumstances. I don't know anything about your context. But I know that God is a God of blessing. God is a God who wants to speak a word of life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we might have life abundant. So with your eyes closed, let me pray for you now. Jesus, I want to thank you for the men and women in this room. I know that some of us today are at the pinnacle of our experience. And Jesus, we just want to give you thanks. We want to give you praise. I want to speak blessing over those today who are at the pinnacle of experience and celebrating. And I want to speak blessing into their lives. May they realize that everything that's happening comes from your good hand. And then God, some in this room would say, you know what, I'm not at the pinnacle. I'm not at the peak. I am in the pit. And for those here today who would say that they're in the pit, Lord Jesus, I want to pray blessing over them. I pray, God, that your spirit might move, that you might so encourage and strengthen them, that they might be ministered to, that their hearts and their minds might be in alignment with you. Their lives would be blessed with your presence, that they might stand where the good stuff happens in alignment with your word. And now, Jesus, I pray for Twin Cities Church. I thank you for Pastor Ron and John and the others who lead here. I thank you for the ministry of this church. Thank you for the good report, the good testimony. I thank you for the great things that happen, the fact that this is a community church. And Lord Jesus, I pray blessing over this family. I pray fruitful ministry. I pray, God, that lives would be touched, that families would be impacted, and that this, these communities would be transformed for your glory. I pray, Jesus, that your blessing would so rest on this place and in these people that the entire mountainside might literally be awakened to the reality of your love and grace. And God, as pained as we are by the decisions that are often made in our culture, we do not lose heart. We are children of the Most High. And we declare a message of great love and great hope and your goodness. And I pray your blessing so that your name would be made famous through the life and ministry of Twin Cities Church. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.